2: Rams Nation. What's happening? What's good? It's your boy, Bear Motter of Rams Podcast, but this is Lockdown Rams. Thursday edition of Locked on Rams. We are continuing our schedule preview series. We are now up to week five as we go on the road to Seattle on a short week Thursday night football game. So we welcome in Brandon Schultz of the Seahawkers Podcast. Brandon, how you doing, my man? I'm doing well, Bear. How are you? Uh, we're doing good. You know, you are you are the special of the special guests. We've had all Lockdown members and uh, we stepped outside of the Lockdown world. We're actually looking for a Lockdown Seahawks. So if you're out there in the Rams world and know somebody, put in a word. But uh, we started our conversations back three, four years ago for the people that aren't familiar uh, with you or with our conversations when we were doing Rams podcast with James and you are some of the first people we talked to way back in the day. So one, I got to say thank you for being so gentle to us when we first came in with four wins and only making fun of us a little bit, uh, and then being able to have this long-standing relationship. So uh, glad to have you on and, and hear your take on the Seahawks. We are now, as I mentioned, into week five. And this is an interesting one. We'll talk about it throughout the show and, and in the third segment. But uh, for us, it's you know a busy first four weeks uh, we've got some tough opponents, Carolina to start on the road, New Orleans at home, which I know everyone's looking forward to here in Rams Nation and down in the Bayou, and then going to Cleveland on the road, Tampa Bay at home, which kind of scares me as far as uh, you know being that trap game early in the season, because we turn around and go up to Seattle, on the road Thursday night football. That's October third. But I want to talk to you about a handful of things, and we'll start out other than uh, the big signing, Russell Wilson, hundred and forty million dollars, sixty five million signing bonus, one hundred and seven million guaranteed. When it happened, what were your initial thoughts?
3: Uh, well, I think for a lot of Seahawks fans, it was that that video that he released from from bed with uh, Sierra where he said, you know, hey, Seattle, we got a deal. And uh, that uh, I I think that is what most Seahawks fans are going (laughs) to remember. Right. Russell Wilson uh, contract signing now because of that. Although the even even better thing that came out of it was uh, the wide his wide receiver, uh, Tyler Lockett (laughs) and offensive lineman DJ Fluker doing a parody video uh, not too long after that was that even topped Russell's video.
2: Yeah, the parody video was awesome, by the way. And I I wish more teammates trolled each other like that because Russell Wilson's on a different level of superstar as far as the NFL with his wife, Sierra, as you mentioned. And just kind of, they've put up a bunch of videos uh, throughout his career that have been, you know, pretty, I don't know, what do you want to say, viral in a sense. So this was no other, no different, especially, you know, except for this time, it was, you know, 107 million guaranteed. So it seems like everyone was happy there. Because uh, there's a lot of talk about leading up to it. Of you know, do you do you try to trade him? Do you try to play hardball with him and not give him an extension and see if he shows up? Which they were pretty firm on not. Uh, but they got the deal underway, and he's quarterback for life. Do, are you happy with the money? I mean, at this point, if you're an elite quarterback, we're looking at it. Uh next with Jared Goff, we saw Wentz go get his big money. Uh so if you've got an elite quarterback, you're paying the big bucks, but it does hurt when you look at the overall aspect of the football team, but Russell Wilson's a good one.
3: Yeah, quarterback salaries keep going up, the salary cap keeps going up. I knew going into that that Russell Wilson was gonna be paid at the top of the market. You know, it's just what happens, right? When you have a quarterback that's among the top five, top seven. Uh, You know that that quarterback is going to get a top of the market deal. You know, it happened with a guy like Matt Ryan. It happened with Matthew Stafford. You know, those guys, those caliber of guys are going to get top of the market money. And the question I think to me is, you know, with Carson Wentz being that close, is Jared Goff going to get that too? And I'm kind of curious how you feel about that, Bear, because I almost feel like Sean McVay, he could, with his system that he has set up, he doesn't really. I feel like it. it, it, I don't want to say you could go out and get any. (laughs) Just say uh, it. (laughs) I guess it'll be interesting when Blake Bortles is in during preseason, and that'll make a little bit of a preview of of what can happen with a a lower caliber uh, type of quarterback than Jared Goff. Because clearly, Goff is better than Bortles. But you know, just how much difference can a system make up for a quarterback?
2: Yeah, it's almost like I want them to get it out of the way and just give him the money now so we don't have to debate this anymore because it is, it's tough because the more I think about it, I like the more we think about it, the more I've talked about it, I'm, you know, settling on the side of pay Jared Goff. He's the guy, I saw a lot of throws last year that kind of proved that. Yes, he's still got some growing to do and he had some lumps along the way, the Chicago game, the Eagle game where he kind of just kind of came out flat uh, and that Super Bowl obviously couldn't get, you know, a lot of those throw he had some good throws in the Super Bowl, but not the ones when we really needed them. The deep one down the field just kind of saw Cook too late in the end zone there. But uh I think he is the guy and and you're right, it's gonna be interesting because we are gonna see Blake Bortles for all four games or three games and maybe they rest him and try to get another quarterback in there a little bit. But uh if Jared Goff gets injured and Blake Bortles does have to step in on his one year deal and kind of be the safety net, which why we brought him here and does mm-hmm. well. It does kind of open that door for not maybe like Blake Bortles is going to get that money, but will someone else be get that money? And what is the injury? And, you know, there's a lot of things that could go into it when you want to when you play that game. But, yeah, I mean, the more I've talked myself into it of just give Jared Goff the money, I think, you know, yes, you hear the system quarterback and maybe not so much as a knock to Jared Goff, but a compliment. Uh, to Sean McVay and what he's built in his offense, and kind of saying, hey, you could throw a lot of people in there, and it's a system is just so successful. Um, but they do have a really good connection. And unless he's lying straight to the cameras over and over again, you know, Sean McVay basically has said, as long as I'm here, Jared Goff's going to be here. Uh, so we expect him to kind of be that long term play, but you never know with injuries before the deal is done if they don't do it before this, uh, you know, preseason or before this season starts. Uh, there are a lot of you know doors that would be left open with that, depending on what happens health-wise and how he performs this year. So there are some questions there, but I think I've talked myself more into being okay with giving him 30 plus million dollars, which at the beginning I was part of the crowd that was open to you know what's the rookie class coming out. We traded and moved up in the draft in the past. Yes, we moved up to number one and we gave up a lot. But there was some potential, you know in my mind for a while that you know that might be an option. But I think I've settled on Jared Goff and uh, we'll see how he plays this year and when they do it, But I expect them to fully give the money. Uh, especially when you're looking in our division, you want to have a good quarterback. They, you know, Russell Wilson's in this division for a long time now. Obviously, you know, looking at the draft and who Arizona got with with Murray and and what he's going to potentially do, uh, and Jimmy right. Garoppolo, we haven't seen it yet, but we keep hearing he's a good quarterback. So uh, you want to make sure that you have your guy, especially as being you know right now the leader in in the West right now. So um, you know, with that, as you look across, you know, another you know, as we're talking off-season and questions and things that happen, uh, the Seahawks came into the 2019 draft with five picks, walked away with 11 players. I don't know, you know, there's some question marks on who they got. Obviously, you know, going getting a edge rusher with their first pick. They got a big-time wide receiver in the second round. But overall, what were your thoughts on the Seahawks' draft and, and how they how they performed in that draft?
3: Well, you said it. It was... I think you have to give a lot of credit to John Schneider just for going out and making a big move to trade Frank Clark, for one, being able to get another first round pick out of the deal from the Chiefs. And I think there is that question, which is a question I think the Rams are going to be forced to answer in the next year or two with Jared Goff coming up uh, to, to being paid. Can you pay a defensive lineman, $20 million plus, like the like the Seahawks were looking to do with Frank Clark, potentially, you know, he was under the franchise tag when he was traded, but he ends up getting $20 million plus from the Chiefs, and be able to pay a quarterback at the top of the market and still be a competitive team. And it's been a struggle, I think, for a lot of teams to be able to do both of those things, right? We've seen, you know, J.J. Watt get, you know, top of the market money, and they haven't been able to... Um, it's now they have their quarterback, but now JJ J. Watt is a little bit older. And it just seems like when you have a, a defensive lineman and a quarterback, you have to kind of make a choice to, to remain competitive. And so I think that's what they, you know, they made the tough choice. They had to get rid of Frank Clark and they turned it into, it went from five picks in the draft to 11 picks in the draft. Yeah. And you know, whether or not you... I mean, we're all going to have questions about whether or not a guy can play until the season rolls around. I, I've heard from a lot of people that they really like L.J. Collier, but there is that question about whether or not, you know, he he was a one year starter in college. And, you know, can that and he doesn't really have any uh, unique traits in terms of his speed or agility, those types of things. So uh, there there are those questions. But they got Frank Clark at the end of round two and we're able to develop him into a you know franchise type player. So I've I've noticed that over the years, you know, whether or not going back to the twenty the twenty thirteen offseason when they signed Michael Bennett and Cliff Averill. They do seem to have an eye for talent on the defensive line, and, and so I'm, I'm willing to defer to the team on that. Uh, you brought up DK Metcalf, getting him all the way to the end of the second round. One of the guys that I'm really excited about is Marquise Blair, who was their second pick taken, and they took him early on in the second round after trading back, uh, accumulating picks. Uh, because they did have those two first round picks at the end of the first round. And, and so they moved back into the early second round, got Marquise Blair and Pete Carroll, you know, when he goes and finds the defensive back early, I, I just feel really good about it because he doesn't tend to take a lot of defensive backs early on in the draft. Earl Thomas was the highest, really the only DB that he's ever taken in the first two rounds. And, you know, and it's a bummer to see him go in the off season, but, uh, when you consider that those are the two guys that he's taken in the first two rounds, that, and then you know you got Shaquille Griffin, who he took in the third round a couple years back, uh, looking for him to grow into his, his third year this year, and they've done so well picking guys in the fourth and fifth and sixth rounds that uh, you you just you have high expectations for a defensive back taken by the Seahawks and Pete Carroll.
2: Yeah, and that's you know that's part of the game in the draft. Like you said, you don't know what you got until you get him in a helmet and on the field versus some competition. Uh, but you're right, the Seahawks. You know, it kind of goes back to liking the guy, knowing the guy, knowing the system, knowing what you like in a player. Uh, they got their edge rush. You talked about them being able to develop that talent, and it's going to be up to them to do that again. Uh, but I, I thought they did a great job in the sense of coming in with five picks, getting eleven players. Less need, you know, kind of notoriously said it over here is they wanted, uh, you know, as many shots at the basket in the top 100, and they, they ended up with four. And with the Seahawks, when you're looking at it, they only had five shots in the whole draft, and they came away with 11. So if you're playing the odds game, at least they upped the ante there, and there's some potential for them to get some players, like you said. Uh, getting some of the talent later on in the draft and you never know what someone develops into so um, what we'll do is we'll step aside we'll take a break we'll hit the defense when we get back talk a little bit about some of the other positions we have going on here in this off season and how it looks for 2019 we'll step away get a couple words from some sponsors we'll be right back Thursday edition On Rams right after this
1: The Suns rise in Orlando, but their playoff hopes set in the West. From our local experts to your ears, these are the biggest stories on the Locked On Podcast Network. Beginning today, all of the Locked On NBA playoff teams will be previewing the playoffs with special crossover shows. Scout your team and your opponent on the Locked On Podcast Network. Local experts on the biggest stories, it's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
2: We are back with Brandon Schultz of the Seahawkers podcast. Uh, we are talking Seahawks football. We are talking the offseason. We're talking week five, the matchups that will happen this year. Twice, one away, one home, of course. And... You know, we just kind of recapped the draft and, and filling some positions, and the Seahawks had to do a lot of that, right, on the defense side of the ball and on the offense side of the ball. Unfortunately, Doug Baldwin uh, retired this year due to injuries. Uh, Tyler Lockett, we, you know, is the now the most veteran wide receiver on the team. You added DK Metcalf. How's the rest of that wide receiving core look? I mean, you're talking about giving – you know, 107 million guaranteed uh, to Russell Wilson. Does how's that group look? Who's he going to throw the ball to? Well, it's always been kind of an overlooked position group. Yeah,
3: even going back to the 2013 season, you had Chris Carter saying, "You know, this was a pedestrian group of wide receivers." And that pedestrian group that was before Tyler Lockett got there, but it ended up being uh, Doug Baldwin. It ended up being Golden Tate, and you know Jermaine Curse. And those three guys you know, all have gone on to be, you know, have pretty good careers in the NFL. And it's, it definitely is. I think out of all the losses that for the, for Seattle to lose the soft season, Doug Baldwin is going to be the toughest because he was kind of, he was always Russell's go-to guy, especially on third down where you could throw it to him and, and you could count on a, a catch to move the chains. And, you know, I don't know with Tyler Lockett if he's going to develop quite into that same type of guy. We did kind of get a preview, I guess this last season because Baldwin was injured through throughout a good portion of the season of what life would be like after baldwin, and you know, I don't know if you can really count on a rookie like DK Metcalf to step into that role right away and be the number two guy. Uh, You got David Moore going into his third season and he was more of the throw it up and, and you could count on him to kind of come down with those contested catches down the field. And I think the one guy that I'm really curious to see is Jaron Brown, who is going into, gosh, is he into his fifth or sixth season? He may be the, the most veteran wide receiver on the team, uh, ahead of Tyler Lockett if they didn't they may have come out about the same time but uh, you know he was formerly in Arizona and he's he's kind of one of those guys who was pretty quiet on the team last year but when they went his way he was able to make plays five touchdowns I could see him being the one to kind of step up into that number two receiver role uh, they did definitely went heavy with the wide receiver picks in the draft. You know, three of those 11 picks went to wide receiver. They got, uh, you know, Metcalf of course, then they got Gary Jennings out of West Virginia. And then they got another guy, John Ursua in the seventh round. And a lot of people are looking at him to kind of fill a, a Doug Baldwin type of role being, a a smaller receiver uh, but a very agile type player so which Doug Baldwin was always good at you know he wasn't the biggest guy but he could always find a way to get open and that's what made him you know such a solid player throughout his career
2: well they're going to have some opportunity like you said obviously you know drafting three of, guys, three of those guys uh DK Metcalf you're right can he step in at the number 2 role everyone was blown away by his draft and what he did there but uh, you know when it comes to route running and all those things it's still to be seen uh, but the Seahawks the great thing is is they've got an amazing run game you, you improved the offensive line over the last couple of years uh, they led the league with 154 yards on the ground per game uh, with Richard Penny Chris Carson Are, is any expectation of obviously Chris Carson seemed to be kind of the number one there last year but uh Rashad Penny, high draft pick from two years ago. How does that backfield look and is it still a one-two punch or is someone taking over there?
3: I think it's gonna continue to be a one-two punch. And Chris Carson to me is he's the number one guy. He's he's the guy that you want because he's he sets that physical tone, I think, between the two. And Rashad Penny is more of the you know, the the speedy guy that you get him out on the edge. And I think we could see more production from Penny this year because he did have an injury early on that caused him to miss a, a pretty significant portion of the season early on. And so I, he never really got... I, I never felt like he was really a solid part of the Seahawks offense. And then we also saw Carson, you know, when he was overworked, you know, there were some weeks where he just wasn't involved in, in the following week because it seemed like he was nursing, you know, just... a uh, I don't want to say he was injured, but, you know, he he was hurt going into the following game. And so he was getting a little bit more rest the week after. So it feels like you need to have two complementary types of players uh, so you can lighten the the workload for Carson. And and then you can also they I think those types of players complement each other. And that's one of the things that we haven't really seen from the Seahawks in Pete Carroll's. Time with Seattle. It's a thing that he always did with USC. I mean, go back to his days at USC, and Pete Carroll always. It felt like you had that physical type of back, right and then the guy who could, you know, break off the big plays. And uh, and so I feel like we're finally getting to that point in Seattle, and something that he's kind of been looking for since he got here.
2: Yeah, no, very true. Going back to the Pete Carroll days, the one-two combo punch, the thunder and lightning uh for right. the Reggie, Reggie Bush, Bush here. Yeah, yeah uh, exactly. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, we'll see how that kind of fits in. It, it seems to be much of the game plan of what the Seahawks are doing, which was kind of part of the reason, I guess, when I was looking at the 140 million dollar contract with Russell Wilson for a team that right now was building themselves as a run first. Kind of team, so maybe that's something that's going to transition, or they just again, when you got a guy that you love in the system, and it's tough to just let Russell Wilson walk. You pay the man, and, and looking at the division you're in, you're like, well, what else are we going to do? Uh, so you know, but that's a big part of their offense, and we'll see if that continues, especially with the way that the contracts going. I don't assume that Pete Carroll's going to change his game plan up because of someone's making more money, but uh you know, you're paying a big, a lot of you know, a lot of money for a guy to turn around and hand the ball off a lot, but. Again, Russell can do it all. He can run. He can, you know, make it happen outside the pocket. So, you know, I'm not worried about him getting his. But uh, as he we fl- r- go ahead. Touchdowns last year, you know, it's don't be, just, just because a guy doesn't throw for a lot of yards
3: uh, doesn't mean that he's, he's not a great quarterback. So, uh, well, that's
2: my problem. Wilson. I, I, Russell Wilson's one of those fantasy quarterbacks, if you look at it in the fantasy world, that always seems to be up there. And it's, you know, it's, it's like frustrating, though, because you're like, well, how, how did he come back? And then you look, he's, he, through three touchdowns in the fourth quarter to come back and win a ball game. And you're like, dang, it, he's always doing it late too. It seems like he just piles on. You'll be watching your fantasy score and you'll play Russell Wilson. You're like, all right, he's got like 13 points right now. And you look back he ended up with like 32 and you're like, dang it. How did he do that? <laughs>
3: we get frustrated as Seahawks fans watching this team too, yeah. because <laughs> it, it seems like, you know, they just kind of run the ball. They kind of lay out. It's like they're playing for that fourth quarter. And and then once they get to the fourth quarter, Russell's like, okay, now we can just do it my way and I can go out there and get the win. And, yeah, it might take he might throw three touchdowns in the fourth (laughs) quarter, Hey, whatever it takes to win. And it's I I don't know, as a fan, I'm kind of I I like to also I'd like it if my team were up 21 to nothing (laughs) going into halftime. But apparently not the way Pete Carroll likes it.
2: No, no, definitely not. Both games versus the Rams came down to a fourth down conversion play. One Jared Goff sneak up the middle, another Russell Wilson uh, high throw, I believe, under pressure. Uh, But they came down to really good games, and you're right. For, for Seahawks fans I mean can you be up 21 and a half that would be a, a fun change for a while so uh, we'll see what the, this season holds we'll step aside I want to talk to you a little bit about the defense and then we'll kind of look into this 2019 season we'll talk about this week five matchup and and how the season looks right after this first we'll get a couple words from some of our sponsors we'll be right back Thursday edition Lockdown Rams right after this
0: This is Vinny Iyer, host of Locked on Fantasy Football with your Locked on Fantasy Football Edge of the Day. Tight end is a prime position for finding fantasy football sleeper value in 2020. After George Kittle and Travis Kelsey go off the board early, don't worry. You can wait and still get some great return for a starter at the position. The two prime targets both have HH for initials, the Charters Hunter Henry and the Falcons Hayden Hurst. A healthy Henry can have a monster downfield receiving season for new QB Tyrod Taylor
2: All right, Rams Nation, we are back. Third and final segment. We have got Brandon Schultz with us from the Seahawkers podcast. Uh, make sure to go give them a follow. What, where are you at on Twitter again? Is it is it just at Brandon Schultz? Uh, at Pod on Twitter.
3: And you can find us at Facebook.com slash Seahawkers Podcast.
2: And I know this is a Rams-focused podcast, but I'll tell you right now, I like tuning in from here to there just to listen to you guys because you and your co-host, Adam, have just a great banter back and forth. Even as I was listening today throughout work and I was kind of listening to your latest one, uh, you guys had a like a 10-minute conversation about draining the water heater. That was just having me dying <laughs> laughing. and not 10 minutes. Yeah. It was good. It was good. Look up after your home maintenance. I mean, it's important. stuff. yeah, it's not only football people. You're getting everything with this podcast. So check them out. You know, we always have fun back and forth. But, you know, I want to kind of move this along. I didn't get to the defense. So I want to ask just a couple questions because obviously you mentioned, um, you know, Thomas moving on, going out to Baltimore. You guys will see him. So will we this year. I believe you get them at home as well, uh, which should be a fun game. Uh, for everyone involved in a weird way. Uh, but you talked earlier about um, Blair getting him in the second round. Is he kind of the replacement there back in the in the, in the safety world? Or who's filling in back there for uh, Thomas and Chancellor?
3: Yeah, they have a lot of options, uh, as it turns out, in the secondary now because they, they drafted a couple guys in the fourth round uh, a couple years back. And so now it's looking to be quite – the competition on the back end of the Seahawks defense—you have the veteran uh, Bradley McDougal, who can play both free safety and strong safety. I, I like him more as that hard-hitting strong safety. And then, but Blair—he's a big hitter too, and I think he will look to compete at that free safety spot. Uh, you have uh, Ugo Amadi, another guy who they're looking at. I think they got him in the fifth round this uh, in the 2019 draft. And he's going to compete. Tedrick Thompson is the other guy that they get picked in the fourth round who's going to compete for that free safety spot. So uh, I think that Amadi could end up moving to slot corner. They've tried him out in that spot, too. So one of those guys could end up playing that position, too. I, I like Blair to take that spot, I think. Uh, and then McDougal to take the, the strong safety spot. And uh, that's kind of how I'm seeing the the back end of the defense shaping up, and then you, know, you have two guys who have played pretty well with Shaquille Griffin on one side, and uh, you know, got your second year cornerback coming back on on the other side. So uh, I feel like uh, there's a, there's competition in the secondary, but there's also uh, some question marks, and yeah, you know, maybe that's a good thing. I, I'm just so used to having a, a pretty uh, solidified group there. But now that's kind of what we're at with the linebackers with Bobby Wagner, KJ Wright, solidifying that linebacker group.
2: Yeah. And I guess that's the one thing that you can circle a uh, hundred times and be so excited about is you still got Bobby Wagner, right? That guy is a beast up in the middle in, in, the, in the field. Uh, and another guy that, you know, uh, you guys haven't extended him yet. Is that correct?
3: No, but uh, at, I think the last time he was extended, it was right around the start of training camp. So. I do like, uh, I think they're going to get it done. I I just don't see how hard it is to come up with a contract for a guy who's the best player at his position, you know, is he the best? Yes. Okay. Well, then you pay him more than everybody else. Uh, (laughs) Like, this isn't difficult. Now, you guys went through that with Aaron Donald. Exactly. So the only, I think, question is, is that Bobby Wagner is being his own agent for this negotiation. And we've seen that play out now with Richard Sherman. We saw it play out with Russell Okun, uh, the offensive lineman. And both of those guys ended up moving on to different teams. So I I am a little bit worried. But, you know, when you have a guy like Wagner who going into his last year, you know, you still have the franchise tag uh, that you can use now that Russell Wilson's under contract. I'm not too concerned that he's not gonna be sticking around with the team
2: right and it's just tough for him I mean obviously you saw the you know the best player on the offense side of the ball get paid So obviously on the defense side of the ball you're sitting here going. Okay. Well, it's my turn now and then he looks yeah. around him, and a lot of the familiar faces kind of left due to contract disputes or whatnot, so now he's starting to think, man, okay, when who's going to be the guy? Is it me finally? Uh, but I think you're right, Ho- hopefully they get that done up there because um, that's a good fit for the defense, and if you lose him, then you start really looking for the leader of that group because he is that guy um, but as we as we kind of move along and we look at you know week five, we talk about us coming up there, Thursday night football. And I was kind of complaining about us having a tough couple, you know, games to start the season. But you guys don't have a cakewalk to get it going. You start uh, at home versus Cincinnati. You go on the road to Pittsburgh. You play those Saints week three. They're either really pissed off, they just lost to us, or, you know, they're motivated because they just won. Who knows what? You can look at it either way. Uh, Week four, you go to Arizona, then come home. Uh, after that, to the Thursday night football game first the Rams. Uh, I'll start with one. Where do you think your record is, Week Five, and how you're coming into that game? Ooh, um, you know, I I would say
3: I'd, I'd get I'd, I'd give us three and one going into that first week. You know, and with that that one loss either being to the Saints at home or the Steelers on the road because the Steelers have that. You know, that's going to be their first home game, and the Seahawks going on the road. Uh, for that game, but they've, they've done pretty well going on the road. Uh, The Cardinals with Kyler Murray uh, being their rookie quarterback in week four. I think that's just enough time to kind of have him figured out a little bit of what he is and isn't good at. And, you know, you actually have a little bit of tape on him by week four. I would rather play him week four than week one. And, uh, and yeah, I think this is going to be a good team this year uh, for the Seahawks, even though there are some question marks on the defensive side, I think with uh, the Russell Wilson coming back and having, you know, pretty solid offensive line group going into another year together, I I think this is going to be a good team for Seattle.
2: Yeah, which makes these games always that much more fun uh, Thursday night versus Los Angeles. Like I said in the last segment, last two games came down to fourth down plays. It was close uh, for both games. The Rams were able to pull it out both times. The Rams went and swept the division last year. Uh, this is a game that scares me just because early in the season on the road short week uh, up to Seattle it's never an easy place to play Uh, but taking a look at this game how do how does the Seahawks kind of ride this ship and and get a win at home versus the Rams
3: well I think they do know the Rams well and I felt like at the end of the season, Pete Carroll was licking his chops at that potential that you get the win in Dallas, and then you get to see the Rams for a third time. Because you could see it as he was talking about it in some of the press conferences. He really felt like he had the Rams figured out, uh, go, and and that he just needed one more chance to to go after them last season before you know the team really uh, it, for them to finally get the win against the Rams last season. It, you know, you guys have had your run against the Seahawks for far too long. You know, Even going back to the Jeff Fisher days, I feel like it's time for the tables to turn. And I'm hoping that uh, my trust that Pete Carroll has the Rams offense figured out uh, that we're actually going get, to uh, get to see it in 2019.
2: Yeah, the funny thing is, is there's a lot of talk right now about Sean McVay continuing to innovate himself that people are catching up with him so Hmm. hopefully at this point with all the media noise around here is that Pete Carroll may have gotten caught up but now Sean McVay has switched the script a little bit and keep you on your toes but I was the same way man I was so eager for you know that potential third matchup you know when you guys were playing Dallas and basically the winner was going to come up and play us and I was talking a lot of junk man I was ready uh, we always do bets, and I was ready to double it down on that game. And James even had to text me on the side and be like, "Man, you need to calm down a little bit, cause you know it's not a done deal." And I was I was ready for that game. It would have been an awesome. Uh, experience at the Coliseum to see round three of that matchup. Like I said, that came down to a fourth down play both times. So uh, this game is going to be exciting. It, it's it's never not, like you said, even back in the Jeff Fisher days, uh, these two teams always battled it out. But um, so after that game, you know, looking at the schedule, we meet back up uh, week 14 back in L.A. We don't have to worry about cold weather or rain or anything like that. Hopefully it's all nice and sunny out here. Uh, and, you know, how does the rest of the, the – season look for you guys as you take a look at that schedule what are your expectations for the Seahawks at the end of the year um you know come basically end of December
3: well i think it's going to come down to the Seahawks and Rams this year because i think you have the same questions that i do when it comes to Jimmy Garoppolo and if he can actually stay healthy for a full season with San Francisco and, you know, if they're able to figure out that question, then, you know, maybe they do make a run to either of either the Seahawks or the Rams in the division. It's going to take Kyler Murray a little while to uh, get his get a feel for the NFL game. You know, whether or not uh, Cliff Kingsbury for the coach, we haven't really seen uh, a college coach have a ton of success in the NFL. So, you know, and I guess you could say. Pete Carroll, maybe to some extent, but, you know, he spent a lot of time in the NFL before he kind of reinvented himself in college and then came back to the NFL. You know, a lot of these guys that are strictly college coaches just don't seem to translate that into success. Uh, You know, go back to Chip Kelly and the Eagles, you know, he never really able to, I think he, did he get them to the playoffs of one year, but not, uh, it wasn't a successful team until Doug Peterson took over the Eagles. It,
2: uh, I, I have that question.
3: For the Cardinals. So it really does feel like a two team race to me in the NFC West.
2: Yeah, you bring up a lot of good points with Arizona. I think they're the biggest question mark here. Obviously, like we both said, Jimmy Garoppolo is a question mark of himself, but we know what the team has done outside of that and really what they could do without him last year, uh, which wasn't all that much, but they were still able to compete, but they've added a lot of pieces on the defense. Uh, they had a pretty good draft, and then just looking at you know what he, he brings to this. Uh, so there's two teams in our division that have big question marks around them, and then obviously the Seahawks and the Rams that have been floating near the top in the last couple of years. So I, I do still think it kind of goes down in that in that um, order. I think the I think maybe there's a chance that if Jimmy Garoppolo is actually what he was sold as, that he could sneak back up into that second spot. And but that's what's awesome about these the, the football schedule: seventeen weeks. Uh, it could go many different ways. Cause there was times last year where we thought the Seahawks were down and out and they went on a storm at the end of the season and then became one of the most dangerous teams that you didn't want to see. And, uh, you know, in our, in if looking at it now, I guess it's good. The, uh, Cowboys knocked them off then we were able to knock off the Cowboys and kind of keep going. But, uh, we know we got two games a year that are going to be just over the top thrilling and exciting down to the end. So the first one comes up in Seattle. Uh, But I appreciate it, man. Brandon, it's always a blast. We'll have to, uh, you know, grab James and grab Adam and and jump on again and do another podcast before the season starts and uh, talk over maybe a a 2019 bet. Me and James have got to solidify our 2018 bets. I think it's for jerseys. And I, I, I think I want Cooper Cup, but James is trying to copy me, so I don't know if I have to go a different route. I may even pull the audience and see which directions I should go. The unfortunate thing for us is the Rams have just these ugly jerseys still. I mean, they've got a couple of throwbacks, but I have all the throwbacks now. And I'm like, I don't really want the St. Louis colors. It's uh, it's a mess. The, the tough life I live out here in L.A. with oh, ugly it's colors. It's a hard
3: decision on which, which color jersey to get when it's, <laughs> you don't
2: even have to pay for it. I all. know. Life must be tough. Life's tough, man. Life's tough. That L.A. lifestyle, you know, man, really gets you.
3: We got to get you back on the Seahawkers podcast because uh, this is the time of year where we usually do our NFC West preview. So we got to get you and James on to preview the the Rams for this upcoming season, along with our other division rivals. So, uh, yeah, well, you can you can pass on to Lockdown Nation to be looking for that uh, coming up on the Seahawkers podcast.
2: Definitely. I'm excited to do that. So give us a buzz. We'll set it up. Uh, But I appreciate you coming on today. Uh, We look forward to talking to you again soon. And, uh, you know, best of luck. Anytime. All right, Rams Nation, you know what it is. Until next time. Peace.
1: Take him to church. My nigga wins love.